Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to The Greatest Generation, a Star Trek podcast by two guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm your host, Adam Pranica. I am also your host. My name is Benjamin R. Harrison. Ben, we keep getting gifts in the mail. Do we now? And I feel like the best thing to do is to talk about them when they arrive. Yeah, we made that we made that mail drop, and maybe that uh, can be used for this also. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we might as well use it yeah. for stuff other than hate mail. Captain, I'm sorry to disturb you. I'm receiving a code forty-seven. Verify. It is code forty-seven, sir. Starfleet emergency frequency. Captain size only. A little while ago, Max Fun emailed us, and they're like, "Hey." uh... We keep getting packages sent here for you. Where do you want it to go? And that really, like, email is an emotionless uh, form of communication, but that was really the, the vibe, was, was uh, frustration, antipathy. Mm. These, are, these are the things that I read in this email. And I was like, yeah, send it to me. That sounds great. So I just opened this package bin. Yeah. And you are not on camera. Because if you were... You would see an action figure. What? For Mordak, the Benzite. No. Yeah. I didn't know that yeah. they made an action figure of him. Mr. Chaotic Bro himself. Yeah, and that's uh, that's that's the original Chaotic Bro, right? That's not the uh, Chaotic Bro that's, Tokyo Drift. Yeah, that's not Mendak. Mendon. Mendon. Yeah, that was that was Mendon. This is Mordok, the OG. Nice. The OG vapor. <laughs> and he has uh, he has kung fu vaping action. He's got the whole thing. I was out at a family dinner not that long ago with um, a cousin of my wife's and a bunch of my cousin's friends came along and one of them wanted to tell me about his vaping app that he was working on developing. Oh, no. It, it was one of those like, um, like curb your enthusiasm. This is my life moments where I just like I'm gonna be sitting in this corner booth, like trapped with uncles and cousins on all sides, and everybody's talking to somebody else, and I'm talking to the guy who's trying to make it big as a as a vape app developer. I'm gonna do something right now on mic that will either horrify. Or amuse some people, Ben. I want you to listen very carefully. I've opened the action figure. <laughs> I've opened him right up because I want Mordok to uh, to be on my desk, staring at me at all times. The only action I used to have an action figure of myself as a Vulcan, but then I knocked it over and it broke in a million pieces because it was 3D printed. Oh. The only action figure I currently have in my in my life is a Pee Wee Herman action figure. He sits on my desk and looks at me while I do work. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. And sometimes I'll just turn to him and go, I know you are, but what am I? Uh, this package bin did not come with a return address or a name. <laughs> Otherwise, I would thank this person uh, individually. Well, but that's sort to of whoever like the... you are out there, I really appreciate the gift. And you should know, whoever you are, that uh, Mordok is in a place of honor, watching me work at all times. Probably uh, keeping his criticisms to himself until such a time. Uh, that the time is right for him to tell me that there's a major problem that I should be addressing. Yeah. That, uh, that no return address thing is a bit like the, uh, the trading cards that somebody sent in. Um, they sent in a, a huge collection. It was probably like their entire childhood collection, and, and they're really cool, and I enjoy looking at them all the time, but they never said who they were, so I just have to... I just have to, uh, appreciate that we have them, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, strangers. <laughs> so, uh, with that bit of gratitude done, let's turn the page towards an episode on a different emotional spectrum. 
as we talk about season five, episode three, Ensign Row. This is becoming a speech. You're the captain, sir. You're entitled. Time to ramble on about something everyone knows. So this one opens up uh, with Picard getting his hair cut by the chatty Kathy bully and barber. He's in Starfleet Supercuts. Yeah, totally in Starfleet Supercuts. And uh, there's a real Spock-looking guy in soft focus in the background. Did you see that guy? No. There's like another person in there getting his hair cut by uh, a human and a... Uh, Every so often, the camera goes to an angle where you can see this uh, this Vulcan also getting a haircut, which I love. I love the idea of a Vulcan like needing to go in for a trim. They get such severe haircuts that must take a ton of maintenance. There's something really satisfying about thinking of a future where service industry jobs still exist. Yeah, you know, and the people who work those jobs are just people who love doing them yeah he's he this uh this guy is a a real extrovert he's picked a job that is got some adventure in that it is stationed on the enterprise but he gets to be a people person could you fucking imagine you are a barber on the flagship like yeah. that's got to be the greatest job ever and you got a rep right R- Riker says he's the best barber in the fleet it's true you know what while we're on the subject of Riker. This is two straight episodes where Riker seems real crabby. I said, shut up. <laughs> Are you picking up on that at all? Is it just because we're binging the episodes that it's more noticeable? Maybe. Maybe he's still a little butthurt that he didn't really get anything to do in episodes one or two of Redemption. Yeah, that's understandable. He got his big two-parter, though. Fire. Yeah. I mean, Riker at this point is a character... I would say that the order of starhood on this show definitely is Picard is the star, and then like Data and Worf are secondary stars, and Riker is now hanging out in the tertiary star position with Beverly and Troy and Jordy. Works for me. <laughs> so. Picard is growing more and more irked by, you know, Mott's doing that thing where he's assuming a familiarity with a superior that that doesn't really exist. Yeah. And you can see it all over Picard's face. He doesn't want to talk about the missions. He doesn't even really want to talk at all. And he doesn't even really want to get a haircut, I don't think. Yeah, I mean... Why is he there? I don't know. Can't they... Don't they have, like, a robot that can do this? Sure seems that way. I don't know why it's a job. This is... Like, Picard feels how I feel when I get a haircut, though. I don't want to talk to anybody. You know? Yeah, you just want a, a brown beverage and and a chill. Yeah, like, fucking talk to the other barbers or something. Leave me alone. <laughs> I don't want to tell you what I do for work. I don't want to tell you why I'm getting my haircut today. I don't even really want to tell you how I want my haircut. Well, I'm sure they really love you down at Sport Clips, Ben. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Sport Clips always has great brown beverages. (laughs) Yeah. You seem like that type that would bring your own. Mm, Yeah, I got, got a little hip flask with me. So Krabby Riker gets... Picard off the hook with a communication. He's like, hey, I got some news. You better haul ass back to the bridge. And Picard cannot wait to leave the barber's chair. Nothing I love more than a distress signal. Yeah. And uh, even that gets some commentary from Mr. Mott, the barber. Uh, Have you ever had a bald barber, Adam? Bullions seem seem to be a hairless race. (laughs) Yeah, they're like dolphins. You don't see bullions with a bunch of hair. They're a race of talkers, though. Yeah. Which is what makes them uniquely qualified for that job. They should hang out with the Elorians. That's like a match made in heaven. I love that uh, that barbershop culture in the 24th century still has the idea of the pole. You know, like there's that symbol in the background for the barbershop. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the communicator with the like the ribbon around it. Yeah. That that is just the universal sign of barber, isn't it? Yeah, hundreds of years in the future, they're still referencing 
when barbers were surgeons and would wrap bloody rags around posts outside their tents on the battlefield. <laughs> Do you think Mott keeps his combs in Six Bay in the barberside jars? <laughs> he has to go down there. Yeah. Hey, hey Dr. Crusher, just grabbing my uh just grabbing my stuff. I mean it's it's sort of a pain in the ass, but he likes the walk. Do you think that they've gotten like real hipstery and like some people like the throwback nature of of a barber surgeon and will prefer that over a trained medical practitioner i don't know i think everything's on the table yeah do you think some people ask for the seinfeld (laughs) q definitely does right (laughs) a little bit longer in the back yeah does q need a haircut i don't want to be a seinfeld Well, Q cuts his own hair, obviously. That's when you can tell that someone's depressed, is when they cut their own hair. <laughs> so word on the street is, when Picard gets to the bridge, that a settlement has been destroyed by some Bajoran terrorists. Yeah. This is a very important settlement, because uh, it's sort of in a place near Cardassian space. Yeah. And so they need to proceed with caution here. There's a lot of uh, delicacy around the Cardassian peace treaty, Uh, you know, especially after that stunt Ben Maxwell pulled. We've only seen the Cardassians like one or two other times, right? Have we seen them other than the Ben Maxwell episode? I don't think so. I think that's the only other time that we've seen Cardassians. God, O'Brien's just got to be thrilled again. <laughs> His life sucks right now. Yeah. Well, they get this news that this that this settlement has been raised, and they get some audio transmission from Bajoran terrorists claiming responsibility, and that's our, our push to title sequence. When we come back, the Enterprise is pulling into a big orbital starbase. Probably the most dangerous thing they could be doing. Right. It's like, well, uh, it seems like things are not going well, so let's go risk the ship getting hijacked or destroyed or compromised in some other way. <laughs> so on the on the starbase, Picard has a little sit down with an admiral, and again, uh, this is a this is a, a moment for him to mend fences with the admiralty mm. in Starfleet. Well, he had that one. Decent interaction with the Admiralty in episode one of season five. But generally speaking, Picard and the Admiralty are not pals. If we're talking about in totality, like if we're if we're looking at a pie chart of <laughs> good moments with admirals and bad moments with admirals, I think I think the part of the pie on the negative spectrum is gonna be bigger. Yeah. Um so so this guy has uh has a bit of a head cold and his Sorry. vibe with Picard is pretty adversarial but I think that Picard is trying to make good so he basically uh eats every plate of shit that Admiral Kennelly puts under his nose and uh the plates of shit are these Picard's mission is going to be to go make contact with this Bajoran terrorist known as Orta and uh bring him back to uh, discuss this terrorism situation with Starfleet by any means necessary. And on top of that, uh, Picard has uh, had a an ensign attached to the mission by orders of Admiral Kennelly, and this ensign is known as Ensign Rowe. She has a rep. She is the bad girl of Starfleet. She basically shows up in a leather jacket smoking a cigarette. Yeah. Like, as soon as she beams on board, everything about her reads as different. And yeah. not not in a cartoonishly pronounced sort of way. Like, thus begins Michelle Forbes' appreciation cast uh, with your host, Adam Pranica. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I-, I love how they do this, right? Like, like... They cut to Riker in the transporter bay, and he's got like a real, he's you know you can tell that he's he's getting ready to do some leaning. He he, he is he's got he's got uh, displeasure painted on his face, and uh, 
and he's radioing up Picard to say like why is why is this person being beamed on board the ship? There must be some mistake. And uh and like everybody is talking about Ro Laren, like she's the most notorious person there is and uh and she plays the part. Uh but uh we don't know how notorious until we cut out of this scene with Ederol Kennelly going, it was really t- tough getting her out of prison for this. You'd be temporarily reinstated in the forces, and if the mission's successful, there may be a presidential pardon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at first you just think it's a bad attitude and a scowl, yeah. but it turns out, like, she did some seriously bad shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's fun stuff. She also beams aboard wearing a... Uh, some like hot topic costume jewelry and Riker is having none of that. Like he's going to let it slide with Worf, but not, not with somebody who's coming straight out of the brig uh, to, to go on this mission. So um, I really, this surprises me. And I guess I haven't noticed in other crew members, the whole lack of dangly jewelry, but I guess working on a starship is like working in a factory. Like you don't want anything to get caught in a machine, right? There's been plenty of times where super magnets could have, you know, Cause some really serious damage, and they'd have to roll back that that banner that hangs on the bridge that counts how many days it's been since an accident. Data basically is jewelry by that rule, though. <laughs> yeah, and and what about uh, what about too chaotic, too bro? He was walking around the ship the whole time with a vape on his on his face. Yeah, I think what's happening here is is that as the XO, Riker is picking and choosing how strongly to enforce uh, codes of all kinds. And with one Rolaren, uh, as I guess as Picard pronounces it, Rolalan. 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 He's going to be particularly by the book with her. Yeah. Um, maybe it's a uh, maybe it's like a long game thing with Riker. Like he's he's looking he's looking to to bed this this lovely lady. And uh, he's decided that he's going to go big dog with his with his opening volley. You will follow Starfleet uniform code aboard this ship, Benson. It's weird. Like Riker, either Riker only has two speeds with women he doesn't know, or who might be quote unquote headstrong. Like either <laughs> he turns into a total flirt, or he Shelby's them. Yeah, and he's giving Roe the Shelby treatment here, big mm-hmm. time. Yeah, but she has a lot less. Um, I mean, even though she is coming with the with the blessing of an admiral, she has a lot less woofy than Shelby ever did. Right. So, um, so their mission is going to be to go figure out uh, what's what's popping with these terroristic Bajorans, and they have a McLaughlin group, and they're Issue one. discussing like what the what the uh what the right strategy is and they're like well there's this great Bajoran that you know he shows up at all of the conferences that we always go to on shuttlecrafts by ourselves uh we love this guy and uh he seems like a real good hang and openly contemptuous in the in the corner and this McLaughlin group row is like listen like that guy is the like warm and fuzzy Bajoran that that they roll out for the federation no, no real Bajorans give a fuck what that guy thinks. He's not a leader. He's uh, he's not somebody that anybody like throws their support behind when the when the chips are down. Yeah, he's like a figurehead. He doesn't have any real power. Mm-hmm. And Rose, like, look, if you want someone with real power, I'll take you to the guy. <laughs> yeah, Rose, like the guy, the guy you want to meet has like Bob Ross hair. <laughs> he's, he's he is not he's not the cleaned up Bajoran that that they send to conferences. He's he's like he's a funkier Bajoran than than that even. Yeah, yeah. For as resistant to her presence as everyone is supposed to be, like Picard asks asks her advice and she gives it, and then Picard takes her advice for action. Yeah, I mean, I think that Picard is is not super stoked about this mission, but he's a company man, you know, like yeah. he's, he's going to, he's going to do the job that he's been given. Uh, if, 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 uh, if Admiral Kennelly wants him to shovel shit, he's going to shovel shit until Admiral Kennelly says, stop. It is a guiding principle on the Darth Vader's base. Have you can't find it within yourself to stand up and tell the truth. You 
Ro and a Dustbuster Club beam down to this planet to meet up with Bajor and Bob Ross. Yeah, Kiva Kiva is the guy's name in the show, but we know him to be Bajor and Bob Ross. And uh, one of the first things Ro does is pull off her uniform as if, like, she's a stripper cop <laughs> pulling off a uniform made of Velcro. Like, she she rips off her jacket and sticks it on a little girl. Yeah, suns out guns out at him. Yeah. There's some fun continuity in this because she's got the good... Yeah, her communicator magically appears underneath. Yeah, and she's also got, like, she, she's got the good uniform with the zipper in the back, you know? Yeah. Like, you see, yeah. like, extras get the zipper in the front uniform. She's yeah. got the one with the zipper in the back, but when she kneels down, that, that uniform opens up front-wise, and also her communicator, yeah, like, like must beam itself onto, onto her inner blouse. Because she does not, uh, she does not move it herself. Picard plays this scene cool because he's seen magic like that before, and <laughs> and does nothing when he sees it. So yeah. I think Roe might be more powerful than we can imagine at this point. Yeah, this is like a scene that gets cut from a uh, David Blaine special because the reaction wasn't that good. Yeah, like the the trick is really <laughs> impressive, but nobody nobody reacted in a way that's really like emotionally affecting the whole away team should be running away it's so amazing (laughs) yeah the whole away team should be harrison ford like kicking her out of their house (laughs) dustbuster club react (laughs) (laughs) so yeah the uh and and uh, this is a this is a settlement of of pores and it's rare to see uh poor folk in in this show like these are people that are really living on the edge you can tell there's straw all over the ground there's unsupervised children running all over the place there's some dirty faces Mm -hmm. and kiva's a real dick to them at first like he uh he's he's a prickly dude and he talks a lot of shit but the second rolaren kind of throws some some attitude back at him he he turns over real quick and picard's like hey we'll beam down like every single thing that you need because it's no big deal we have replicators and uh everybody's gonna get a blanket uh wharf's gonna figure out anything else you might need you guys got that stuff too and the guy's like well that's great like let me know whenever you need help It's weird that they that they stick Worf on this duty. It's a real save the children type scene down there. Do you think that when Bajorans, like especially Bajoran men, are looking at their own loaf and then they look at Worf's loaf, they get real <laughs> like real self conscious around Worf? They get big loafed. Yeah. <laughs> they they it's a it becomes a real loaf measuring contest. It's got to be amazing to get a replicator in that circumstance, <laughs> right? Yeah. That changes everything. I know. Hey, a word of advice, guys. Uh, maybe replicate a broom. <laughs> <laughs> so the next scene is in, uh, is in 10 forward, and Roe is uh, having a Negroni and trying to have as bitter a personality as, as her drink. Mm. And... Uh, Jordy's over in the corner talking shit about Roe to Guinan, and Guinan's like, I love people that get t- shit talked about them. I'm going to go hang out with this chick. And so she she kind of like shame shames Jordy, <laughs> you know? Good. Yeah. Jordy's a dick. Yeah, Jordy's being a real shithead. <laughs> One of the most unlikable things that Jordy has done, and that's saying a lot. <laughs> God, his his monument to bad decisions <laughs> is mighty. Yeah. So so Kynan goes and uh she she and and uh Ro have a little conversation. Guinan is basically not taking no for an answer on becoming buddies with Ro. And uh and uh they are it, this is just a scene about establishing that, you know, Ro is intentionally putting up walls around herself and Guinan uh doesn't fuck with that shit she's she's gonna be friends whether Roe likes it or not she's gonna use her bar gun to shoot right through those walls <laughs> indeed and you can see it crack Roe a little bit and this is an this is one of a few examples in this episode where 
the subtlety of Michelle Forbes' acting is apparent. Like, yeah. she can't just start beaming at how cute Guinan's being with her. <laughs> She's got to play it cool, and she does. Yeah. I mean, it's a subtly written scene, too. It's like, it's, it's, it's a nice piece of script to sink your teeth into as an actor, because the what you want is not necessarily what's good for your character and that's always a, a tricky thing to play i think i get the feeling that she is hanging on to her character as hard as the character itself is hanging on to her story like it seems like she is so in control of every moment mm-hmm. and like every every space in between lines of dialogue is so intentional that I don't know. It just makes for a really strong performance. Indeed. I think if you miscast Roe, like, you blow the episode here. It's Like, she carries the whole weight. Yeah. They're like, we're going to need somebody that can have Detroit hair show hair and still put on a pretty good performance. That's the level right. of actor we need. Look, and I don't want to disparage Canadian cute, but, like, you, you can't cast Canadian cute for this part. No. Michelle Forbes is fucking hard. Yeah. But with the soft side. She does a nice job. Yeah. So uh, this scene ends with her having to run off to her bedroom and take a, take a FaceTime from Admiral Kennelly. Everything is going exactly as you predicted, Admiral. Which is the first sign we've had that something more is afoot than meets the eye. And uh, this is like not a subtle scene. You know, it's just like. It's like your evil plan is working, sir. <laughs> yeah, he, Kennelly's doing everything but pet a white cat. The next stop is a uh, meeting with Orta, the terrorist leader, and uh, Picard and his Dustbuster Club meet up in the transporter room, and they're like, well... Ensign Rowe is super late, and uh, they ask the computer where she is, and it turns out she beamed down to meet with Orta six hours ahead of everybody else. She got a real jump on the day, and uh, and they beam down. Sort of down. a Shelby move, isn't it? Yeah, not not unShelby like. They beam down, and uh, this is the first uh, set of styrofoam caves we've had in a long time. I, yeah, I, I missed styrofoam caves. Yeah, me too. I feel like I feel like. Uh, I might be wrong, but I feel like they become a bigger part of the show from here on in. Yeah. Like, this is a really good styro cave set that they built, and they're like, let's just keep this around in case we ever want to write other things that are happening underground in rock. Through with castles. Yeah. Caves are the thing. Yeah, caves are, caves are the way of the future. Uh, <laughs> so they're, uh, they're looking around. They make the classic horror movie mispa- mistake of splitting up and... Uh, wouldn't you know it, they all get captured, and out comes Bajoran Bane. <laughs> Welcome, Captain Picard. <laughs> I see you found me. Do you like the way my voice is being modified? The Cardassians tortured me. You will get tortured by Cardassians later, but I have already been tortured by Cardassians. <laughs> Yeah, he does a nice long reveal. Like he's wearing a he's wearing sort of a wrap mm-hmm. around his face. A wrap made of clothing, not of uh tortilla. <laughs> he, he opens it up and he reveals this big scar across half of his face and also a little a little button on his throat that gives him machine voice. Yeah. Adam, I think this is a great time to talk about the fact that wraps are if you can believe it, even worse than cold sandwiches as a food. I disagree. I like a wrap. I don't want all that bread weighing me down. I need pure power. That is That's a terrible food, in. Adam. A, a cold tortilla is is one of the worst things I can imagine eating. I would Gotta much rather you, open a wrap up and dump it out and eat it as a salad. I am a I'm a disgusting person for saying this, but sometimes I like save half of the burrito for the next day. I'll just oh. eat that shit cold. I'm, I'm I'll into eat that. It up. Oh, I'm into that. But that's the cold but, tortilla. But that tortilla like, has I'm, been through some shit. That tortilla has marinated in the juices. A wrap okay. doesn't marinate. That's a dry cold tortilla. Bad news mm. bears. Mm. 
Yeah, I, I don't know, man. I disagree. I'm down. Put it in your cup holder. You're, you're good for driving. I have to eat wraps all the time because they're like one of the most ubiquitous free foods. And in the film and television production business, free food oh, yeah. is a major part of your landscape. Yeah. And often you don't have a choice of what lunch is. Yeah. Fucking yeah, you get yourself a get yourself a wrap from Crafty. Give me a pizza, a slice of pizza any day of the week. Give me a cold sandwich before you give it a give me a wrap. And I don't even like cold sandwiches. Dude, that is where you are capital R wrong, Ben. If I ever <laughs> see fucking pizza on a craft services table, fuck that. <laughs> I'm so much happier seeing pizza than a wrap. You you want to see people in intestinal distress? All farty and greasy after eating some pizza? No thanks. Maybe it's not on one of my sets, pal. Maybe it's different in New York, but the pizza here is good. A lot has been written about how pizza has no place on a film set, Ben. I'm going to send you some academic papers on the subject. I went to film school. I've read them. I'm just saying it's better than a wrap. <laughs> I'm not saying it's the ideal craft services food. You know what? Uh, don't you ever fucking say that to me again. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. I went to film school. <laughs> oh, great. Adam and Ben are fighting again. <laughs> uh, well, I went to film school. I am the cutest of all. Rolaren gets in in big, big trouble with Picard because, you know, this this situation with Bane doesn't go as bad as as they had thought. But, you know, like they they find out that Bane was not in fact behind the terrorist attack, but and he, you know, implies to Picard that maybe somebody is uh, using Picard and it's not it's not the mission he thought it was. But uh, they come back, and Picard is ripshit with Rolaren for defying them. Even though what she did got him some very valuable new information, the way she did it was no good. So she gets uh, she gets grounded. He has the scene with her that Riker has with Shelby in the turbo lift. Mm-hmm. He needs to jerk the chain. Yep. And he does. Real hard. Yeah, and uh, and when she gets grounded she goes back to her quarters and this is the obvious moment that Guinan would show up so sure enough Guinan does and this is a, a really nice scene because Guinan and Roe talk about like how helpless it feels to have lost everything like they've both been displaced from their home worlds and have both had a really tough go of it and uh, I thought it was great. And it was like one of those scenes where you're like, this is going to get this episode onto the other side of the Bechdel test. This is great. And then the last line is basically Guinan saying, the only way to solve your problem is to uh, make Jean-Luc Picard solve it for you. <laughs> I didn't interpret it that way. I, I, I mean, I'm not saying that that's like what the seat is about but it does like it does kind of kneecap the uh the fact that it's just two women like having a a real scene with each other that the last line is the only uh the only thing you can really count on in this world is john luke picard well it's it's not needing him because he's a man it's needing him because he's the captain of the ship well that's the thing with the bechdel test right it's not it's not about it's not about it uh, being the particular character, it's about the fact that women never have scenes where they're not talking about men. Right. I like this scene a lot because it's another example of Guinan finding you when you need her. Yeah. It's like picking up a phone and someone has already called you and you didn't know it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Remember exactly. when that used to happen? I love that. Um, like, Guinan essentially uses her special relationship with Picard to give Roe a hall pass, and they go up to his ready room, and Roe is like, listen. Admiral Kennelly came to me in prison and told me he'd arrange to get me out if I'd go on a mission. I know that part. No, sir, not this mission. And uh, I've been in touch with them this entire time, and uh, I'm really sorry, I just didn't know who to trust. And... um, and Picard is like, Admiral Kennelly would consider supplying weapons to the terrorists. So they come up with a sneaky little plan, Adam. Well, that's also the scene where 
Ro decides to disclose her past with the Cardassians in a long single shot of her monologuing about watching her dad being tortured to death mm-hmm. uh, after being lured into a cave with some sugar candy. Yeah. It was award show awesome. Yeah, it's a good... It's. I think everybody comes out of this scene looking pretty solid. Um, yeah. Because it's also a scene... I mean, for as much as it's a scene about establishing like why Roe is so damaged and why she is motivated in the ways that she is... It's also about establishing Picard as heroic because he is uh, true to his principles. You know, he has uh, been asked to compromise on something pretty major and is not going to do it. And that's not going to be convenient for him. Like he's definitely taking the harder path now, uh, which is putting himself in direct opposition to orders that an admiral has given him. This is such an example of how much more sophisticated the writing is this season and this episode specifically than it has been in the past. Because with O'Brien's backstory with the Cardassians, you get the button on him that like he's ashamed of what he became because of the Cardassians. And that that is a more or less predictable outcome for him, given what he's been through. But for Rose Warner to conclude with her feeling ashamed that her dad wasn't stronger through torture. And, and like the, the fallout from that moment isn't that she was horrified at seeing her dad die. It was her own interpretation of his death that, that hollowed her out in the way that it did was, was just like, it was better than this show usually gets with backstory. It's, yeah. Really great, and, and so and it makes the Cardassian so terrifying as a yeah. as a baddie. You need her to be able to tell that story in a way that is terrifying, and and she's able to do it. Like you don't get a cutaway, you don't you don't get uh, some doodle doots to a flashback. <laughs> like all you all you get is her and a slow push, yeah. and it's enough. Pretty good. So they they come up with this plan, and what they're going to do is fly along the border with Cardassian space with this Bajoran cruiser, uh, and it is heavily implied that Orta is on board this cruiser, and they're going to go to this other place with Orta. And uh, as they do it, like, uh, sure enough, some Cardassian cruisers... uh, fly up to them and they're like, hey, we want to blow up that ship. Why don't you guys clear out so we can do it? And uh, they have a little little uh, back and forth about it and Picard radios it in to Admiral Kennelly and Kennelly's like, you got to let him do it, man. And Picard is like, well, that's isn't that interesting? Isn't it possible that what's going on now is a Cardassian thought maybe... Uh, you would you would help him get Orta because Orta has been a problem for the Cardassians, and uh, you thought that you thought that uh, it would be worth helping the Cardassians get Orta now that they're now that the Bajorans are also bombing Federation settlements. So Kennelly's like, "Yo, fuck you, man! Just let them let them do their thing." And Picard's yeah. like, "Well, orders is let orders. Nature take its course." Yeah. So. Uh, so they clear out. They let the Cardassians uh, blow up the ship, and uh, and Kennelly FaceTimes up, and he's like, "Well, that went great," and and Picard's like, "Oh, did it now?" and and proceeds to explain to Kennelly that no one was on board. What are you talking about? The Cardassians just blew up a ship that was empty, and there was no way the Bajorans could have been blowing up. Uh, human settlements in other sectors because their ships are pieces of shit and don't even have warp capability. So Kennelly was a, was a useful idiot to the Romulans, I guess, or to Hmm. the uh, Cardassians, I guess. Boy, there are some dire consequences for useful idiots, aren't there? Yeah. The, uh, so Kennelly basically gets caught with his pants down and you got to hope that Captain Picard is like recording this whole thing on one of those, (laughs) one of those pens that records the audio 
Yeah. So that he can prove it later. Because he is. Well, what's great is like Kennelly's message comes in on priority one, which is normally supposed to be taken in private. And he's like, nah, like, let's play it for the whole bridge crew. Yeah. So Kennelly is embarrassed in front of everybody. And, uh, and then Roe and Picard on the button for the episode sort of joke about what prison cell he's going to be in. We're not going to White Collar Resort Prison. No, no, no. <laughs> that was an interesting tone. Yeah, yeah, because uh, Roe is fresh out of prison, and, and uh, they're speculating that Kennelly, in the wake of this little scandal, may be headed to the same, same pokey that she was just in. And this, uh, the episode ends with Picard kind of saying like, hey, listen, like you got a little, uh, a little bit of grit. You're a little rough around the edges, but I think you could be a pretty good officer. And uh, if, if you want to hang out, if you want to uh, stick on board the Enterprise, let me show you what's what. I think you could be a great officer. And, uh, and Roe is like up for, the, up for the challenge, you know? Yeah, it's a nice ending. Feels good. Feels like Roe's going to stick around. Fun times. Did you like this episode, Adam? So, so much. One of my favorite episodes. Yeah, it's a really good one. I think this feels like a data's day amount of departure for the show in what it chooses to give power to. Yeah. Like, I think we've seen power demonstrated in a lot of ways, but mostly it's like at the end of a phaser or... Or a Batleth, like like power recently has been Klingon ships and wide-eyed Gowron and stuff. <laughs> but but now we're seeing like Rose power, which is like this intense, quiet power that is so different. Like it's posture power, yeah. And it's like an economy of words that she uses. And like when I was growing up, like this was this was puberty show for me, you know. And like I super identified to a cranky young crewman who who did not want to follow the rules and so i really liked roe as soon as i saw her and i still do i think yeah. she's one of the show's best characters well, i think she's down to follow the rules as long as they stack up to her idea of what is just and yeah and that i think especially is a really like appealing idea as a as a puberty person yeah um my question one of the questions that came up for me while I was watching the show was, uh, would her petulance have worked for Wesley? Hmm. If they wrote Wesley the way they wrote Roe, does he suddenly become a more interesting character? Like, if he is, instead of worshipping at the altar of Picard and uh, and so into the idea of the Federation and, his, and its mission, what if instead he is he's a little more puberty about it what if he is a little more petulant and and resistant to the idea and his arc instead becomes like being worn down into Hmm. into a great officer instead of wanting that to be the dream from the start i think that would make him more interesting and less cloying and annoying that's sort of how uh the kirk character is in the new movies yeah yeah and uh and it is yeah great call fun to see that yeah, so I there's mean there's just nowhere for him to grow. Getting back to Wesley, there's nowhere for him to grow if he already starts out on the team. Yeah. And this way with Roe, like there is an arc set in motion here. Yeah, and and the more integrated she gets, the more interesting it gets because she yeah. is so different in terms of her foundational character motives than all of the other characters. Yeah, what makes Wesley uninteresting is there's no conflict there and with Roe it's almost all there is. Well, much like a petulant teenager, her one condition for staying on the ship and staying in Starfleet is she's got to be allowed to wear that Hot Topic jewelry. <laughs> yeah, that bling, though. Picard looks at his own jacket, and he's like, I've got action jacket. There's no reason why you can't put on some costume jewelry. <laughs> We're all making weird costume decisions here. <laughs> Let's do it. Uh, did you like the episode, Ben? I like it a lot. It's a great one. Yeah. yeah. I'm right there with you. I really like the Cardassian that wants to blow up the ship. Like, he doesn't have much to do, but they cast a really weird-looking guy. Like, you can yeah. tell he already looks weird without the loaf. And uh, he's got a little bit of an accent. He's real scary, especially after that monologue from Roe about 
what the Cardassians did to her. The Cardassians arch you in a way different way than the Romulans do. Yeah. They have, their dialogue is very similar, but their delivery is different enough that I just sort of like the Cardassians more. They don't sound evil. They sound more a matter of fact in a way that I find more respectable. <laughs> I don't know. They're more, they're more straight ahead. Less of a chess match. Adam, there is a little blinking light here that could only mean one thing. It's a Priority One message. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. By the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Ben, we have one Priority One message this week. It is of a personal nature, and it's from your wife, and it's for <laughs> sweet booze. Is it like your wife, Ben? Not my wife. All right. Uh, maybe the message will illuminate this. It goes like this. Happy birthday, sweet booza. Tommy, Charlie, and I are so lucky to have you in our lives. You are an amazing father and a wonderful husband. Thanks for embracing your baldness so my childhood dream of being married to a hot bald man could come true. <laughs> I love you, my Zadi. Wow. You see, sometimes a father loses his hair in a predictable male pattern baldness. Rudy, you have to embrace the baldness or you don't get your pudding. It's important to love people for the content of their character. <laughs> not whether or not they have hair. Is that Martin Luther Bain Jr.? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I have a feeling Bain is going to be a, returning, a recurring character on our show. <laughs> Happy to have him. Yeah, welcome, Bain. Now we got another Jumbotron here. This one is from Matt, and it's to Jenny. I know I'm not half the captain, diplomat, lawyer, fencer, bunk bed pilot, or bondage enthusiast. <laughs> as your first crush, JLP. What do you call that space Piccolo he plays in the inner light? There's no way you know, but he's better at that too. <laughs> Even though I'm no JLP, thanks for letting me be your real doll for 18 years. And thanks, Adam and Ben, for our number one pod. Oh. Wow, that is heartfelt. It's great to hear that a long-term relationship can survive the horror that is our podcast. I think that, I think that uh, my relationship is the exception that proves the rule, that nothing brings two people closer than the greatest generation. <laughs> well put, Ben. Wow, how'd you like, <laughs> how would you like your, your special person, your special lady in this case, to have had their first love be JLP. That's that is, those are those are big shoes to fill. You yeah, know? no kidding. That is a uh, I mean, it's it's not an uncomplicated first <laughs> first sexual interest <laughs> given given some of the darker jokes that this show has has entertained. But, I think uh, one thing that Jenny knows for sure from her relationship with Matt that she wouldn't ever get from Picard is that it, Matt is, like, not uncomfortable around women and is okay expressing some feelings. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Matt is, uh, Matt is a fully realized adult human male in, in many of the ways that Picard is not. Matt, congratulations for, uh, for finding your Vash here. Good job by you. Yeah. Nice one. If you have a happy birthday message or otherwise for the people in your life, you can go to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron where personal messages are $100, company messages are $200, uh, and they help us with the production of our show. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? Who is your drunk Shimoda for this episode? Drunk Shimoda! My drunk Shimoda... In this episode is the actor who plays Admiral Kennelly. Uh-huh. Uh, because for all of the great performances we get in this episode, from Bajoran Bob Ross 
to that weird Cardassian guy to Michelle Forbes to Guinan to Picard. This guy is given a lot to do and is caught dead to rights. You know, he is caught. He is caught with the smoking gun at the end of this episode, and his last take to camera is so goofy. <laughs> yeah, it's like a. <laughs> it's so bad. Why didn't he, as soon as he was on the view screen, go, can you take me off speakerphone? Like, <laughs> he should have bailed on that moment, and he didn't. Yeah. He's the admiral. Yeah. He's hey, a- Jean-Luc, why don't we take this in the ready room? He just looks like a, like, a, like a dad who's like a real young dad and lives in the Hollywood Hills and maybe makes a little bit more money than your dad, even though your dad is... 25 years older than him. He really looks like Tennis Admiral. He's too fucking young. Yeah. I don't like how young he is. I don't like seeing a younger man boss Jean-Luc Picard around. It made me sad that a conspiracy involving admirals and the Enterprise didn't end with Admiral Kennelly's head being exploded by <laughs> phaser fire. Which yeah. is how I prefer conspiracies to conclude. That's a great point, Adam. <laughs> My Shimoda occurs in the caves. Mm. If you recall, Ben, we have a Dustbuster Club that includes Picard, Data, Worf, and Troy. Yeah. I'm going to ask you a quiz question, Ben, and we're going to see if you can get this one right. Which of those crew members is not issued a phaser on a hostile planet? <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, It's got to be Data because he's so strong he can defend himself whether or not he's armed, right? One would think, but no. It's Deanna Troy, who is on the planet for some reason, and is the (laughs) only one in the Dustbuster Club who's not in the club. Yeah. Oof. That bummed me out. Yeah. If you're a senior officer, you have weapons training, right? Yeah. When you go to a hostile planet, you should be armed. I don't understand that. It's another one of the really subtle slights that they give her character and Dr. Crusher. Like, I think a lot of people don't notice that, but Jesus Christ, guys. Yeah. Stop stepping on that rake, guys. Yeah. You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before, and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name, and not a giant social media company's name, with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24 by 7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it with Squarespace. Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen. Because these are very low dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order, plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES. 
for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com promo code SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Do we have something more armed coming up for our next episode, Ben? Uh, we have Season 5, Episode 4, Silicon Avatar, coming up. Picard struggles to communicate with a mysterious destructive force before a visiting scientist can destroy it. You remember this episode, Adam? Anything involving scientists involves old scientists, as I recall. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's about all I... <laughs> that's all I care to share about what I may or may not remember about this. This is one of your classic Revenge Grandma episodes. Oh, I love Revenge Grandma. <laughs> yeah. This is this is Pamela Voorhees. Are you going to are you going to employ a veto on this or is that excitement genuine? Oh, I'm I have I have pure excitement. Brent Spiner was not fond of this installment, noting I didn't think it was a very good episode. <laughs> and uh Michael Piller, producer, says the same thing. I don't think the show was as effective as I wish it could have been. Director Cliff Bollet rejected claims that the crew's attempts to communicate with the entity after all the destruction it had caused were mildly optimistic. Well, the director seems to really like his own work here, which I think is <laughs> pretty consistent. On the back a little bit. Yeah, I thought it was great. Meanwhile, <laughs> the actors are like crossing their arms, <laughs> embarrassed for their performance. Yeah, it sounds like a pretty uh, split decision on the reception for the show. I'm into seeing it, though. Yeah, well... We don't have much of a choice. We do have a choice. We are abdicating that choice and choosing to watch. We're going to save that choice for something worse. It does get worse, doesn't it? It always gets worse. <laughs> well, that about wraps it up for this episode. Uh, if you'd like to talk about this episode or any of the others, uh, you can wander on over to Twitter, where I'm on there as at Comfort Time. Ben is there as at Benjamin R., AHR and uh, use the hashtag greatest gen. Yeah. If you want to reach out to us or any of the other viewers who enjoy our program. We also check in on the greatest gen subreddit and the greatest gen Facebook group. Uh, both are real lively and fun places to uh, get to know other people with uh, similar interests to you. Uh, we should thank Dark Materia for our music and uh, Adam Ragusia for our other music. You know, Adam Ragusia just started that new uh, that new Billy Joel podcast. We didn't start the podcast. You know about this, Adam? I do know about this. It is a podcast by people who embar who are embarrassed to like Billy Joel. Yeah. He, uh, he, uh, Which is he a actually, theme I can really get behind. Yeah, he gave us a, a little heads up that uh, he was going to be borrowing some of our, our format for a new project. And we were like, absolutely, Adam Ragusea, you're one of the best in the biz. Yeah, I've got no problem trading his original music for our approval of borrowing some bits. Yeah. So, <laughs> fair trade. Yeah, I gave, uh, I gave uh, 
couple episodes of listen, and I enjoyed it immensely, even though I don't know anything about Billy Joel. So put that in your pipe and smoke it. So don't let that be a barrier to your consumption. Well, with that, we will be back at you next time with another great episode of Star Trek The Next Generation and an episode of The Greatest Generation that's all about Rowenge. It's all about Omerta. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.